Welcome back to my podcast, No Bullshit with Joe, and today I'm going to ask a few questions. First of all, like, a few questions that have been found on Quora. Um, I think it's quite an interesting website to be on. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to answer a couple of the questions that are on there um, for my podcast. But, like, I don't know about you guys, but I've always had, like, weird dreams. But since this whole UK and Russia covid situation has been going on my dreams have just been getting weirder and weirder and weirder um last night i dreamt that i was on a plane i don't like flying i don't like planes um so i will avoid flying if i can help it but i dreamt i was on this plane right and instead of the plane seats facing forwards they were facing sideways and the plane was not taking off as of yet it was like going through the streets of Macclesfield, where I used to live, um, in this massive plane. And then anyway, when it did start taking off, um, there was a guy sat next to me from a documentary that I had watched. So obviously that's where the guy's come from. Um, I'm not going to say who it was because it's just embarrassed that he, I'm embarrassed that he's even in the freaking dream. Um, but I was sat next to this guy and I was like, ah, this plane's going to go down with this guy on board. Um, so yeah, dreams, they're such a weird, weird thing. But anyway, let's get on with the podcast at hand and let's have a look at some of the questions. Um, So, to people who have unusual jobs, how did you get the job? Uh, Well, I can't really talk about the current job that I've got now. I always leave that out of my social media stuff. Um, Just to say that I work with water, let's put it that way. The job that I did before, though, is I worked with people with special needs and learning disabilities. So that was my unusual job. Um, And God, it was an unusual job. And I can talk about it a bit more freely now. Um, You know, there was people that I used to look after um, who used to poo in their hands and throw it at me and eat it. I saw a a woman eat a fully grown poo, um, like a full log, um, like it was a chocolate bar. Um, which did make me vomit, I'm not going to lie, but that's part of, you know, they're, they're lovely people, so I don't, I'm not going to say, you know, my job was, my job was an awesome job, uh, I did it for six years, and the people that I looked after were absolutely lovely, um, they were sound people, bless them, but yeah, that was some of the interesting parts of the job, you know, I've been punched in the nose, I've been strangled, um, I remember once taking a guy to A&E, um, because he had a... Oh, but be careful confidentiality here. He'd he'd swallowed a glove, um, and I took him to A and E, and we got into A and E. There was like three or four of us. Um, he was fine. He was absolutely fine. He pooed it out in the end, but we we got into A and E, and he wrapped my um, hoodie uh, ropes around my neck and started to strangle me in the uh, in the A and E centre. Um, and there was there was there was a lot of frightened old ladies and stuff that were sat around and were like. It was like something out of a movie where people's eyes go wide and they seemed absolutely terrified, bless them, um, about what was actually going on. They were like, oh, my God. Um, So, yeah, that was my interesting job. I got the job because I applied for it. um, And that was what I did. Um, It was even more interesting in the last two years because of the whole COVID situation, um, which I'm really annoyed at the company that I work with because um, I'm just going to go off tangent a little bit here, is... They sacked some of my friends. I left um, and got a new job because I knew they were going to start sacking people in the November of 2021. But they actually sacked some of my really good friends. And because they refused to take the job, obviously. Um, And now there is an advertisement all over Facebook where they are saying no COVID jab is required. Come and work for us. Because obviously the government has retracted the mandatory vaccinations. For me personally... 
whenever you, whoever's worked in the care sector with special needs or whatever, you are taught that body autonomy, looking after and safeguarding your service user is an absolute one million percent must do. So to me personally, protecting the service user is a must do, but also protecting yourself uh, is a must do. And they just didn't seem to be bothered about our human rights. So that was a bit shit. Um, hence the reason some of my mates got sacked for refusing to take a medical experimental drug, um, which now has side effects coming out of its ears. Um, and I'm sure more is going to come out in the next couple of years. But hey-ho, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the questions at hand. Um, so that was my answer to that question. Two people who have unusual jobs, how did you get the job? Um, next question. And I want you to answer these as well, if you can. Answer them with me, alongside me. Talk to them about your friends and family. Um, I don't know. Send me a message. Send me an email on wjoe2102 at gmail.com. Um, yeah, just let us know that you've been listening to this podcast. It'd be me. Um, what are the challenges of being successful? Well, I, it depends what the lines of su- what what you think is the lines of success. I mean, to me personally, I wouldn't say I was successful financially. Um, I know that I earn a little bit. I've got a few sideline jobs, um, i.e., this podcast being one of them, um, and I've saved a little bit of money and I've got a little bit stashed away, but. Financially, I wouldn't say I was successful personally. Um, I think it depends how you define success. For me, I'm successful in a lot of areas of my life in the sense of I have a loving family, I have awesome children, my wife's sound, um, I have a job that I love, and excuse me, I've got a bit of wind. I have a job that I love, and um, yeah, my life's pretty cool. Um, I do martial arts, which I thoroughly enjoy. But the challenges of being successful, I can't really answer that question, I don't think, because I don't think, you know, I, th- I think I'm trying to become more financially successful. So the, for me, the challenges of trying to become more financially successful is being consistent. Where You know, I write a lot of children's stories. Um, I wrote, you know, adult stories. Um, I've wrote fiction and non-fiction. Being um, consistent with that is very difficult. Um, but it can be done. I'm now podcasting, TikToking, Instagramming, Twitter. You know, being consistent with that takes up a lot of time. Um, and you've got to be disciplined with it. So being disciplined and consistent, I think, are pretty, you know, pretty cool things to do. Um, but they, they are hard, but they can be done because your wine needs to be big enough. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Being consistent, hard working. Um and also not worrying about the backlash of, you know, you might say something that pisses pisses the general public off. Well, fuck it. That's what life's about. You know, if if, if you're putting yourself out there, people aren't going to be happy with what you're saying all the time. And that's totally okay. You've got to be cool with that. You've got to be cool with the fact that, you know, you could put yourself out there and someone could put a nasty comment on your video. Um, it says more about them, that, them than it does about you, but that's that's what it is. So, yeah, that's what I would say there with the challenges of being successful or becoming successful. How do you make your husband trust you with everything? Wow, that's a good question. To me personally, again, these are off the Quora website. To me personally, you can't make somebody trust you. You have to earn their trust. And earning somebody's trust takes freaking years. And you can destroy someone's trust like that at the click of a finger. So you've got to earn someone's trust. You can't make 
someone trusts you. Um, my answer to that is you can't make someone trust you. You've got to earn that trust on a consistent basis. Um, and you've got to trust yourself before you can get other people to trust you, really. You've got to trust your own behaviours, what you do behind closed doors, what you do when you, th when you think no one can see or hear or it's listening. Um, that's really about, that's really what that's about. And then getting your husband or your wife to trust you is one of them things. If they don't trust you, then there's, there's no trust, there's no relationship, in my opinion. But I might be completely wrong. Um, you know, I'm open to that as well. So... What is the most important thing you did for your parents and when? The most important thing I did for my parents, my adoptive parents, was to tell them to fuck off and never go back to see them again because they were horrible, nasty, vindictive, vicious people who were absolute, complete and utter control freaks who had this... this um, weird and warped worldview where reality was just the real world just wasn't a thing it was it was a, such a strange strange situation um to live in for 13 years but yeah re like the real world wasn't it, it, there's just no common sense and no sense of reality uh, and i had no freedom so you know um that was the most important thing i did for my parents was to leave and never speak to them again um and i did it for me as well i did it for them because we weren't getting on um they wanted full control they wanted me to but my basically what my adopted dad wanted was for me to live his life and for me to do the things that he wanted me to do to keep their perfect image um, and it backfired because both me and my little sister left and I've never spoke to them since. Uh, what is your emotional damage moment? Wow. Uh, one of mine would have to be years and years and years ago before that was even a thing where I was about 14, 15 and I had lots of spots like lots of kids do at that age. You know, they have lots of spots. They're going through puberty and all that sort of stuff. And my dad, my adoptive dad, turned around to me and I remember him saying to me, look at the state of you. You look an absolute mess. Look at the state of your skin. I wouldn't be going out if I looked like you. And that was a re that really hurt. Um, I didn't show it, but that really, really did knock my confidence on a huge, ginormous basis. Um, you know, I wouldn't be going out if I looked like you. They were his exact words. And I was, yeah, pretty disgusted at that behaviour, if I'm going to be completely and utterly honest with you. Um, that was a big emotional damage moment for me, to be truthful. Um, he used to call me names as well, um, like cunt, um, twat, you fucking useless. Um, yeah, he was just a horrible person, really. Um so, yeah, that was a big emotional damage moment for me. Um, have you ever dressed up for Halloween as an adult? Another question on Quora. No, I've not dressed up as an Halloween, as a, 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 for Halloween as an adult. But I have dressed up for World Book Day for my children. Um, I've dressed up for World Book, wait, Book Day for my children. Uh, World Book Day for my children as Superman. And I actually took them to school dressed as Superman, which was... Uh, Actually, pretty cool. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was good fun. Um, and I was going to do the same this year, but I broke my leg doing karate. Um, so I can't walk, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, considering I've just seen Tesco man pull up with our delivery of food. And my wife's not here, so that's going to be fun. Um, anyway, so, next question. Are you good enough? 
Wow, that's a big one. Are you good enough? Wow, that's massive. I mean, this is something, I talk about this in the self-help stuff. This is something that I've been working on for absolutely years. Like, being good enough to me is a feeling and an emotion. So it's not actually a, you know, people measure their worth on what other people say. And I used to do that a hell of a lot. Or people measure their worth on what they have done. So for me personally, you know, I could say I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, I'm a published author, I do this, I do that, I work here, work there, blah, 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 blah. And it's very easy to, for people to say, you know, these, I do all these things which makes me worthy and good enough. Um, and actually, the fact that you're alive and breathing um, and that you are on this planet um, is actually something that makes you good enough to actually be here as a whole human being and being that strongest sperm that won the race makes you good enough. Um, and I think once you get the core concept, the fact that your existence makes you good enough and the fact that, you know, what you then do with that existence is decided by you and not by the other people around you and what you think makes you good enough not what other people think makes you good enough so it's a really big concept to work on are you good enough yes i think everyone is good enough um as long as they perceive it for themselves and feel it for themselves. But that takes a lot of work. Gratitude journal, you know, being grateful for what you've got, writing down them things on a daily basis, thinking about the things on a daily, you know, what projects you want to do, what things you want to do, what goals you want to go for. You know, to me personally, all them things, um, the fact that you're alive in here and accepting of yourself, you just got to accept yourself for who you are and accept the fact that you are alive and accept the fact that you, you know, I am grateful for being here. I'm grateful for having this technology to be able to upload my podcast. I'm grateful that I've got kids and my wife. I'm grateful that family is, you know, it, I'm part of a loving family. I'm grateful that, you know, right, I'm back. Sorry, the Tesco man had come. Um, <clears throat> so where were we? Have you ever had an encounter with God? This is an amazing question to ask because... I, well, I'm not religious for, start, for, for starters. I'm not against anyone who is religious. Totally cool with that. I'm totally cool with whatever religion you've got, whether it's atheism, whatever. As long as you're not hurting other people, I'm not bothered whatsoever. Uh, me personally, I'm not religious, so I've not had an encounter with God. I have had plenty of spiritual encounters. There was a time um, I was working at an old place called Hangar 7, um, which was at an old hangar, basically. And when I was at this place... When I was working for this company as a cleaner there, I used to run my own cleaning business called Team Inkling. So when I was working for this company as a cleaner there, they had an they had a overflow hangar, which was based in Macclesfield on on a little street called Sunderland Street. And this place used to be a quite the opposite of an encounter with God, to be honest with you, because this place used to be um, a silk mill, but it was also a um, steam engine factory back in its day so if you imagine walking into this building it had massive steel rafters um where the and massive chains where the um steam engines would have been lifted up and moved and put together to then do whatever they need to do with them uh to ba basically create them um and then there was also like this big massive metal platform um where well, where I presume the workers would have been overseen by the bosses um, back when they were running the silk mill and they had all the silk machines going and stuff. And when I started working in that building, oh, wow, we, we encountered some really weird stuff. Um, there was people saying your name. 
there was we picked up some EVPs because we did some electronic voice phenomenon and um, that's what an EVP is so you'd like basically if you had two of you in a room and you'd have a conversation and someone had asked you questions and you'd answer the questions and there was no one else in the room and you got an answer then that would be classed as an EVP um, especially if the answer wasn't from you or your friend or whoever was with you um, especially if it was an intelligent response so for example I said is there anyone here and it was me and my mate Lee, for argument's sake, and a female came over and said, yes, I'm here, and there was no females with us, um, and me and Lee don't sound like women, so that would be classed as an electronic voice phenomenon, um, which is classed as a potential spirit. Um, so yeah, some weird shit happened there. Um, I remember doing a ghost uh, or a spirit hunt with, with my friend Lee in the building when we used to work there, and um, we'd record, um, and I remember recording the very first EVP we got, was a recording of a woman saying, be careful, Joe, and it was as clear as day. Um, things would bang, you know, you'd be... I, I, I used to start work at 2 o'clock in the morning, so I'd be in the kitchen, um, and I'd be cleaning the kitchen, and I'd hear banging in the, in the toilet, knowing no one was in there, and I'd finish cleaning the kitchen area, and I'd go back to the toilet, I'd go and clean the toilet area, and I'd come back to the kitchen, and my stuff had been moved and stuff like that. Um, I'd feel people walk behind me, um, cold spots... You name it, it was really, 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 really strange. So, yeah, they were... Uh, I've not had any experiences... Um, what was the question? I've not had an encounter with God, but I've had an encounter with spiritual beings. Um, and I do believe that there is a past life that we do come back some way, shape or form. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Um, and I also do believe for a fact that there is some sort of spiritual activity out there or some sort of crossover of worlds. Um yeah, there's definitely something out there. Definitely something out there. Uh, so, another question. How, what does someone do when life gets too hard for him or her to afford? This is a good question. Again, another story time. I remember back years and years and years and years ago when I used to live in an old flat called Vincent Street. Um, I ran out of money when I was living on my own and then Sophie came along, uh, my now partner, um, been together for 12 years and I remember having some really difficult struggles. I remember there was this particular time that sticks in my head and I was putting my now oldest daughter, who's now 14 today actually, um, I remember putting her down in a cot, she was only about one and a half to two and I remember having a pound in my pocket and it was my last pound, I had no job, I had no money, we had one light bulb in the house that we used to move from room to room to light up the room. Um, the kid at the time was the only one that was being fed. We had some beans on toast and stuff that we were feeding her. Whatever we could scrape together to feed the kid. Um, and me and the wife were like lived off copper soups for about a month to two months before I finally got back on my feet again. And she finally got back on her feet again. And uh, what does someone do in life when it gets too hard for him to or her to afford? They survive. Uh, you know, and if surviving means not paying rent, council tax, gas, electricity, water, car insurance, car tax, uh, not doing, not paying your phone bill. If that's what surviving means, then that's what you do. Um, and you make sure you pay for food. You know, obviously, if you've got the finances, then pay for food and your car insurance and your car tax because they're important. And they keep you within, in the UK, the legalities of the law and especially your phone bill as well. But if you've not got the finances... I'd say don't drive your car, obviously, if it's legal. But, um, yeah, we're actually through some pretty rocky times. You make sure you've got enough for food and you do what you need to do to get food. Um, I remember, me personally, for us to get out of that flat and to get into the building we needed to get to, I'd not started my new job yet because I was waiting for a CRB to come through. 
and to be cleared. But I remember, um, where I'm going with this, I remember to get into the next house, which was called a little house called Barton Street, I went and got a pay payday loan <laughs> because I had to be able to afford to pay the first month's rent and the fees on the uh, state agent fees on top of that, which are absolutely criminal, by the way. Uh, so, yeah. So the answer to the question of what does someone do when life gets too hard for him and her to afford, uh, you survive. And the way that you survive is by doing what you need to do to make sure that you've got food in the house. That's it. Nothing else matters. Gas and electric bills don't matter. Credit history doesn't matter. You know, um, rent to an extent doesn't matter for a couple of months. You know, you can you can jiggle it. You know, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you as a human have got food and you are healthy. Keeping your credit history in file does not come over. Uh, credit, credit file in shape does not come over the health of you and your family members. That's my opinion on that question. Um, next question. How do I believe what my heart tells me, not what others say? Again, this comes down to self-worth as far as I'm concerned. And also what you believe. Like, so what, what your heart tells you. So I presume that's a, that's a question regarding like a romance or whatever. You've got, you've got to do what your gut tells you more so than your heart. And I, I've learned this the hard way as well. Like, it, it's really hard to explain. But if your heart tells you that you're in love with someone or a decision is amazing and your head tells you the same decision is amazing, but your gut and that pit of the stomach feeling tells you something is off or something is wrong, I do advise from personal experience that you listen to it. Because I remember a perfect example. I remember working for this customer and I've become really friendly with this customer. She was awesome at the time, or so I thought. And I was cleaning for it and we built up a relationship over a couple of years and built up a rapport and I'd give her stuff for Christmas and she'd give me and my family stuff for Christmas and this happened for a couple of years. And then she was like, look, I've brought a house. Would you like to rent a house off us? Because I was having problems with the landlord. That's another story for another time, my old landlord. And I was like, yeah, I'll rent the house off. Yeah, I'll help you out with your business. And my head and my heart were saying, this is the right thing to do. This woman's got her best interests at heart. You know, I get on with her really well. She's fantastic. Her, her husband's fantastic. Her kids are sound. You know, we built this rapport up. And my heart and my head said, yes, go for it. It's going to be fine. Yet my gut was screaming at me that something was not right. Anyway, long story short, I spent six to 12 months, you know, investing heavily. You know, I invested about two and a half thousand pounds worth of labor um, i was running my own business at the time so i took some of the people that was working for me off the job to come and help me rip out the house and um, put stuff in skips get rid of some rubbish um put a fireplace i put like this fire wooden fireplace uh oh what's it called what piece of wood over the hearth basically a railway sleeper that i sanded down and made look lovely i sanded down these big massive lovely oak doors sanded them all down and refitted them all um i stripped wallpaper ripped out the bathroom ripped out the kitchen and i helped them with the purchase of their house and i rented it from these people um but my gut was telling me something was off and a couple of three months into living in the property and she started saying that she wasn't happy with the way we were looking after the place. I mean, we're clean people, but we've, we had cats at the time. We've still got cats. We have animals, you know. Um, and she wanted, well, basically what she wanted was the house to be looked after the way that 
she was looking after her house. Well, she had me as a full-time, well, as a full-time, as a cleaner who came once, twice a week to, and spent two to three hours at a house gutting it from top to bottom. So, you know, um, she wanted that type of work on that house. And that that's not, the, you know, when, you, when you're when running a business and your wife's working full-time and you've got two kids, yes, keeping a house clean, basically we'd hoover up and we'd mop and keep everywhere reasonably tidy. But keeping the house clean to showroom standards just wasn't achievable. And she wasn't seeing that house as a business. What she was seeing that house as was um, something that she owned. And it wasn't a business, but it was her house and she owned it. And it needed to be treated like it was her home. So mm, that situation wasn't ideal. Uh, so... Where I went on a complete rant then, didn't I? How do I believe what my heart tells me? Yeah, so basically, I wouldn't follow your heart or your head. I'd follow your gut. I'd listen to what your gut tells you in answer to that question. If your gut's saying something's good, go for it. If your heart and your head is saying something's good and your gut's saying no. From experience, listen to that gut because that gut feeling is normally right. Um... And the last question, and this last question is absolutely laughable in 2022. What, help keep, what helps keep your job safe? Now, don't get me wrong here. It's good to have good rapport with your managers. My manager's awesome in the current job, but I don't I really get on with him really well. Um, and so are, the, so are the staff that I work with. Being polite, doing your job to high standard, turning up on time, are going to help keep your job reasonably secure. But your job, when I say that, no job is safe. In 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, no job is safe. It's not like the old days where, you know, you go back to 1960s, you get a job and that's your job for the next 30, 40 years. You know, there's an old guy that I was working with called George who's absolutely sound, loved George Species, he's just retired, okay? He was at where I am now. He'd been there for 25 years. Before that, he'd had a job before that gardening and he'd done that for 30 years. So for 55 years of his job, working life, he'd had two jobs. I've had 15 and I'm 34, He's 68. Yeah, and I've had 15 jobs. He's had two in 50-odd years. So times are changing. Um, nothing helps keep your job safe. Other than turning up, doing your job to high standard, but anything can happen. The company could go into recession. Um, if the recession hits, the company could have financial difficulties. What I'm saying is I won't panic about your job not being safe. I'll deal with it when and if it comes to it. If you see, you foresee something coming up, so like when I was in the building industry and the recession hit, I foresaw that the company I was working for couldn't afford to buy flags, couldn't afford to buy bricks, were struggling to pay me my wage. So what did I do? I got a new job, you know? So if you foresee what's going on, you're like, right, I'm out of here, see you later. Um, so what hell keeps your job safe? Fuck all other than doing your job to a high standard. That's my opinion on that anyway. I quite enjoyed doing this podcast. I don't know whether you enjoyed listening to it. So I think I'm going to do more and concentrate more on the questions side of things from sites like Quora and Reddit. And I'm going to throw posts out there asking you guys to send me questions in as well. So if you want to got any questions that you want answering, um, send me questions in on wjoe2102 at gmail.com. That's W for whiskey. J-O-E. Don't know what the numbers are in that speech uh, 2102 at gmail.com throw us some emails in and I'll answer as many physical questions many questions as physically possible in my next podcast I do drop podcasts at least once maybe twice a week um, also please feel free to check out my link tree um, my link tree has got my TikTok account on it 
Um, I keep getting community guideline violations, but hey ho, it is what it is. Um, my Twitter account, is it my Twitter account on there? I don't think it is, but my TikTok account's on there, my Instagram account's on there, my YouTube account is on there, which I don't load to that often, but it is on there. Um, I write children's books, my children's books are on there. All my new releases are always at the top. The podcast is on there. Obviously, you don't need that for that. But anyway, so if you're listening to this on Reason or Spotify, there should be a link to my link tree. Click that button. Boom. If you're feeling kind, also, please feel free to sponsor us. This does give me and allow me more time to answer your questions and to upload these podcasts and to feed my family. Um, Again, to answer the question, what helps keep your job safe? I also would make sure you've got another side line of income coming in. Um, whether that be through TikTok, whether that be through podcasting, whether that be through selling stuff on the internet, I sell um, things on the internet, um, such as sensory toys and stuff like that through eBay and obviously books that I write, um, me and my co-author. So I write the children's books and my illustrator, the uh, PhD Lee Dixon, he writes the, um, he does the illustrations for us. So we have got The Adventures of Jack the Crow out, which is a child's book that's just recently been released. And we've got two more books on the way this next couple of months. So please feel free to head over and have a look at them. Love you all loads. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And please let me know what you thought of it, because I thoroughly enjoyed shooting it. Over and out and goodbye.